All right, congratulations, you have made it. If you have been with us the last two weeks, then you have successfully read through the whole book of Haggai. And what's exciting about this to me is that I think a lot of times we can get overwhelmed by scripture, or maybe we don't even pick it up because we don't know where to start, we don't understand it, it feels dense and ancient and kind of irrelevant to our lives sometimes. And so what's exciting to me is that not only have you read a full book of the Bible, but you've also read a minor prophet in the Old Testament, which can be really, really hard to understand and complicated. And if you don't know the context, it can just feel super weird to read. And so pat yourselves on the back because you have officially read the book of Haggai. Now, if you have not been with us or you don't really remember what this book is about, this book is following the Israelite family, this community, these people that God has chosen to become vessels of his character and his love out into the world. And the Israelite community had been held um, captive. They'd been exiled from their homeland by the Babylonian empire. And now we're 70 years past that point. Babylonian empire has been overtaken by Persia. And the Persian king says, hey, you Israelite people, you can return home if you want. And so about 50,000 Israelites return home to Jerusalem and they find their city just completely in shambles. The temple is destroyed. Their homes are destroyed. And so they're trying to just pick up the pieces of their lives and carry it forward to pick up the pieces of their culture, of their homes, of their temple. And what we see is instead of kind of going and building the temple right off the bat and then turning and building their own homes, instead they start building their own homes. And so God through Haggai, through this prophet, speaks to them and says, hey, Your priorities are kind of out of whack here. (laughs) You have been focusing on building your homes and you've been working really hard to grow these crops and do all these things. But have you noticed that there's not been a lot of fruit in your efforts? He's telling them that they've been laboring really, really, really hard, but they're not seeing the fruit of that. So God says, yeah, it's, it's actually time to build my temple. The people say, no, I don't think so. And God says, no, it is. And eventually they decide, okay, God, we'll do what you say. They start building the temple. And so in the end of week one, we were asked this question, what are we building? What are you building in your own life? And will you be a part of what God is building? So maybe after week one, you say, yes, you want to be a part of it. You've reflected on what you're building in your own life. Then the question becomes how? You say, yeah, I want to do, I want to be a part of what God is doing in my life. But how? (laughs) How do we do that? And so last week, we talked about the first answer to this question. First, we have got to stop falling into the comparison trap. You see, the Israelites, they finally get on board with God's plan. They start rebuilding the temple, and then they start reflecting about what the temple looked like before this one. We talked about King Solomon and the temple he built, and Isaiah mentioned it was amazing, covered in gold and the finest materials, and it was huge. And what they were building in comparison was just kind of sad. I think the same can be true for us, that we get stuck and discouraged in what we are building, what God is doing in our lives, because we're either comparing ourselves to past versions of ourselves, or we're stuck comparing ourselves to other people. 
and we just end up being stagnant because we're so discouraged. But God tells the Israelites, he says, no, get to work. I am with you. And actually what you are building now is going to be greater. He says he will fill the house with glory and the glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former. So he says, hey, don't get stuck in this comparison trap. That is exactly what the enemy wants is for us to just stay stagnant. So after week two, we had to talk about what are we comparing ourselves to and how is that holding us back in what we are trying to build? And so maybe you've spent time the last two, three weeks, you've been thinking and thinking about what you are building in your life. And after last week, you've decided you do not want to be the person that's stuck in the comparison trap. But maybe you still aren't seeing the fruit of your efforts. Maybe you're still feeling kind of unfulfilled in your friendships. Maybe something you decided you wanted to build was you want to build a really solid friend group, but for some reason, you're just feeling unfulfilled. Maybe you're lost in your faith. You've been trying really, really hard to grow in your faith, to better your prayer life, to be consistent in scripture, but you're just feeling lost and stuck. Or maybe you're overwhelmed with your activities. Maybe it's freshman year, you've decided you're going to try everything, everything that's available to you, you want to try, you want to figure out what you like, what you don't like, but you're feeling incredibly overwhelmed. Why? You see, the Israelites, they listened to God and they got to work building the temple. They were challenged to stop comparing it to the previous temple, but then they still weren't experiencing this peace that God promised. They were apparently building something good, but it didn't feel that way. Why? If you have your Bible, you can open up to Haggai. We're going to be in chapter 2 and verse 10. It says, On the 24th day of the ninth month, in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. This is what the Lord Almighty says, Ask the priest what the law say. If someone carries consecrated meat in the fold of their garment and that fold touches some bread or stew, some wine, olive oil, or other foods, does it become consecrated? The priest answered no. Then Haggai said, if a person defiled by contact with a dead body touches one of these, does it become defiled? Yes, the priest replied, it becomes defiled. Then Haggai said, so it is this with the people and this nation in my sight, declares the Lord, whatever they do and whatever they offer has been defiled. What's happening here is the people are building this temple, but they are still having injustice and apathy in their community. It's still existing in their hearts. And what God is saying here, what this, what this kind of questioning was happening is it's referring to laws found in Deuteronomy and Leviticus which is really meant to, you know, protect the community and whatnot. And he's saying, you know, when you touch something dead <laughs> and then you touch something else, it, it is not clean, right? Like you're touching something gross, your hand's gross, you're touching something else. Now that new thing is not clean. And what he's saying is you all are building my temple, but there is still corruption in your hearts. And God's saying that is corrupting this good thing that you are building, And so if you're sitting here feeling like you're not experiencing this peace and joy and 
fulfillment in your friendships or you're feeling stuck in your faith or overwhelmed by your activities, whatever it is, could your intentions be corrupting something good that you're building? Could your intentions be the thing that is holding you back and corrupting something that's actually good? If you've been with us last semester, we talked before about the importance of what's going on in your inside world, in your heart and in your mind, and how that affects your actions and behaviors. The same concept applies here. The Israelites have decided to go with God's agenda to build the temple and have stopped comparing their temple to the impressive temple that King Solomon built. But God challenges them once again, telling them to check their hearts. I want you to think for a second. Think about the thing you've been focusing on for the last two weeks that you're building. Why are you doing that? Genuine question. Like, why are you putting energy and effort towards it? This isn't a trick question. Actually, think about it. Whether it's your friendships or your schoolwork or your activities. Like, why why are you doing it? Why are you putting effort and energy towards it? Well, I'm sure because you you care about it in some way. It's important to you. Let's go a little bit deeper. Let's say it's your faith. Are you actually wanting to grow in your faith? Or if you're honest with yourself, are you just wanting to check the box of being a good person? Maybe it's your friendships. Are you actually wanting to strengthen your friendships and surround yourself with a really solid group of people? Or... If you're honest with yourself, do you just want more friends? Do you just want to be a little bit more popular, a little bit more known on campus? Do you actually care about what's going on in someone's life? Or, if you're honest with yourself, do you just want to be in on the juiciest gossip? Do you truly want to be involved in all of your clubs and organizations? And I am still overwhelmed just hearing all that y'all are involved in. Do you actually want to be involved in all of those things? Or if you're honest with yourself, are you just afraid of being still? Are you afraid to sit and be? Maybe you're afraid of sitting and thinking for too long because your thought life isn't that great. If you're honest with yourself, what are your intentions thing is it's extremely difficult to have your feet in two camps it's hard to do anything well when you're lukewarm and it is near impossible to build something really really good when you are motivated by something outside of god's will outside of god's plan for you see god did not just want to free the Israelites. He did not just want to free them and bring them back to their homeland so they could be comfortable. He didn't want them to be free so they could just go back to doing their own thing. He wanted to form them. He didn't give them the covenant law to make them feel terrible about themselves or to bore them to death with a million rules. He gave them the law to form them to change them into people who loved each other well, people who respected each other's humanity, 
people who got the gift of God's presence because he knew above anything else that that is what would set them apart. The problem was the Israelites kept breaking the covenant law over and over and over again. They rebelled and they made up their own rules. So I'll ask again, could your intentions be corrupting something good you are building? Now, here's the good news. Chapter 2, verse 19. Is there yet any seed left in the barn? Until now, the vine and the fig tree and the pomegranate and the olive tree have not borne fruit. But from this day on, I will bless you. God's telling them, yeah, your intentions have not been super great. There's still injustice in the community. There's apathy in your hearts. But what you're building, the goodness of that is not dependent on your faithfulness. It's dependent on me and my faithfulness to you. And so God says, I will still bless you. And we are still blessed with God's presence. And here's what happens when we recognize God's presence in our lives. God's promise of his presence, that produces faithful obedience. We are not left alone to try and figure everything out because God promises to be with us. And that was his promise from week one, to be with us. He said, I am with you, now get to work. God is with you. That is not in the question. God is with you. Even if in your faith you're feeling stuck and bored and overwhelmed or apathetic, God is still with you. The thing you have to do is be faithful. See, the question that the book of Haggai is challenging the Israelites to is a lot bigger of a question than just whether or not they're going to rebuild the temple, whether their hearts are going to be in the right place, whether they're going to love each other well. The question that this is presenting to the Israelites is, are they going to repent and become faithful? Or are they going to remain disobedient just like their ancestors? Are they going to change their ways and allow God's presence to actually form them? Are they going to keep trying to do things their own way? I think the question is the same for us. Will we humble ourselves enough to admit when our intentions aren't the best and become obedient to what God is building? Or will we keep trying to do things our own way? What you're building could be really, really good. But if you walked in faithfulness, do you believe that what God could do is change what you're building into good into something that is great? 
Will we humble ourselves enough to admit when our intentions aren't the best and become obedient to what God is building? Because God says the glory of the present house will be greater than glory of the former house. And in this place, I will grant peace. Now, what's really cool to me is that this temple that they are building, fast forward hundreds of years later, and Jesus actually walked in and worshiped there. So when God says, in this place, I will grant peace, God himself shows up. The peace is his presence entering that space. And that same gift is available to you. God wants to enter your life and grant you peace and change you and form you. So the question is this, will you let him? Will you humble yourself, be honest about your intentions, and let him take the good thing that you're building and turn it into something great? Let's pray.